Oh, we serve a good God. Amen. 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 I know that you just sat, but would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Revelation. We are continuing in Revelation. We are in chapter 14. And this week, this week we got a, got a lot of ground to cover, but I think we can do it. Amen? Amen. I, got, I got in trouble last week. You know, you, got, you guys were excited because, you know, I went a little long. But, but kids ministry, they weren't so excited. They weren't. They, they, they informed me, Bishop, it's good to be motivated. But um, just know that when you extend 20 minutes, we're over here for more 20 minutes. Amen. So we're going to stick to the time frame. Glory to God. And we're going to stick to this and run through this. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through it briskly. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 140,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your spirit that is in this place, and we pray, God, that our ears would be open, that our minds would be focused, that our hearts would be surrendered to you as we dig into your word. May your word dig into us. Lord, we pray against distractions of mind and heart for us in this room and those who are joining us online, and we ask, God, that we would continue our worship as we hear from you, that we would not be hearers alone, but that we would be doers of your word. We pray this all in Jesus' good name, and everyone said, Amen. Maybe seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as I shared last week, and hopefully if you don't have an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. We want, want you to be able to follow along and take notes if you would like to do that. Uh, last week we kind of, we, we dealt with this text last week and we started here in Revelation 14, but I really drilled in on the day of the Lord, which would give you a real understanding of our position, my position, as far as a person who believes in a pre-wrath rapture uh, of the church. Church. And so if you did not hear last week's sermon, I highly, highly encourage you to go back, listen to it. It's about an hour long, and so take your time. There's a lot of scripture. You can pause, rewind, all that good stuff. But I encourage you to dig into that. But hopefully if you were here or if you heard the sermon, you understand the purpose of the 70th week that we find in the book of Daniel and his prophecy. And also the day of the Lord that I believe connects all of this and brings all of this together. It is what I think connects the dots of the prophetic timetable that we see in the book of Revelation, in the teachings of Jesus on the end times. But most importantly, and you see this in your outline, most importantly, we should heed the call to live as children of light who are living with eternity in mind, which is final judgment and eternity with him for those who are walking with the Lord. 
One of the things that I, that I want to say is that as we're going through the book of Revelation, there's a lot of information. Listen, we're going to cover three chapters today, right? 14, 15, and 16. Most of, you know, most of us don't even read three chapters a day. I'm just saying, right? Like, that's a lot. We, get, we, we read one portion of Scripture. It starts to speak to us, and then we kind of, you know, leave it there. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. This isn't, a, this isn't like a, a sprint. This is a marathon, right? So we can take parts of God's Word and, and digest it. That's what we should be doing. Well, right now, we're not going to be able to digest every single word here, right? But, but, but what I think is most important is that as we're going through the book of Revelation, that you are not just downloading information, that you're not just getting an understanding of, of, of everything that's there, but that you are thinking, how can I live in light of this truth? Because the book of Revelation is written for that purpose. It's not written just for us to be like, wow, what's going to happen in the end times? Yeah, yeah, that's there to inform you, but it is also to say, how am I supposed to live in these end times? How am I supposed to be living in the times that we are living in? And so we want to make sure that we are living as people, as children of the light. One of the themes, as you see in your outline here, one of the themes that links Revelation 14 through 16, which is why we are connecting them together, is the express the word voice, which is used 11 times within these three chapters. In the events recorded, what is happening is God speaks to his people or to the lost world, or his creatures, those around the throne, speak out in praise of the Lord or in warning to the world. As the world moves into the last half of the tribulation, heaven is not silent. Let me say that again. As the world moves into the last half of the tribulation, which is what I believe we're seeing in these bold judgments that we'll look at today, as the world moves into that, it's not like God, God gets silent on us. And here's what I want you to think about this morning. Even in our darkest moments, God's voice can be heard. We just have to be tuned in. Even in our darkest moments. I, I love Sister Marisol shared, and she was, I didn't realize this, but she was doing a whole vlog thing, glory to God, while she was, she was going through her, her, her time, and she was on you know, Facebook Live, and she was sharing uh, at, you know, what was happening. But this morning, what did she do? She shared with us, what God spoke to her in what could have been one of the darkest moments of her life. One of the most difficult seasons of her life. I know her. She's a social type of person. So being isolated and separated, that's not a good thing for her. Hallelujah. One of the hardest things for her. i never forget. In the beginning of all of this mess, uh, one of the things that she's like, I can't wait to hug people. Hallelujah. That's just her. And so just that, being isolated, forget being sick or whatever, just being isolated, that's dark. But in that moment, what was happening? She was tuning in to heaven, and she was hearing from God Almighty. And the beauty of the book of Revelation is that it gives us the ability to tune into heaven. I love when chapter 14 comes in because after everything that has happened, what does God do? He brings us back to heaven. He tells us, look up. I want you to see what is going on because what is going on in the earth looks ugly. It's nasty. It's messed up. It's a mess right now, what we see in Revelation. And that's kind of similar to now, right? It's a mess here. But however, when we look up, we realize that the throne isn't shaken. We realize that the one who is seated on the throne, he is not, oh, my goodness, what is going on <laughs> That's not him. He is on the throne. He is surrounded by those who worship him because they understand that in the midst of the mess, he is still sovereign. Amen. 
in the midst of it all, he is still reigning. He is still enthroned in glory. So even in our darkest moments, we can hear the voice of God. We just have to tune in. And sometimes that means you got to tune other people out. Hallelujah. Turn off the TV. Stay off of Facebook, Twitter. Sometimes you got to do all that and be like, you know what? I'm tired of this mess. Hallelujah. I, I want to hear the voice of God in the midst of this. And so in, in this, as we've heard, having looked at, we looked at the 144,000. I read that just to remind us of this beautiful picture of how chapter 14 starts as we get this glimpse of heaven. But there is this beautiful thing. Their voice has already been heard. We talked about them. They're singing a song of worship that only they can sing. It's reserved for them. But then there are others who are worshiping. But in that, they're singing their song in the middle. They have come over the great tribulation. There are three other voices of victory, which is what I want to talk about today, that sound off. Voices of victory. And so the first voice, would you repeat this after me? Say, the voices of the angels. The voices of the angels. And we're going to read through chapter 14, verse 6 through 20, and we'll go through there together. So we'll start in verse 6. It says this. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the, in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, hear what the, hear what the angel says, Fear God. And give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. You know that God that we were just talking about in worship that has not changed? That's the God in the book of Revelation who the angels with this everlasting gospel. Now let me tell you this right now. Right now the season that we're in, we're not here. And so it is not up to the angels to preach the gospel. Are you here? It is our job to proclaim the gospel. It is our job to share the truth of the gospel with the world that needs to hear this gospel. However, after the church is gone, which is what I believe is true here, there is a gospel message that is going to be proclaimed, and this angel is entrusted with it. And his message is this, judgment has come. Judgment has come. Fear God, worship him, not the beast. Let me say it again. Judgment has come. That's what he's saying in this moment. Fear God. Worship him, not the beast. You know why? Because the beast has set up his empire. And what does he want? He wants your worship. This is true now, but in this time period specifically, he is looking for everyone to worship him. That is the reason why earlier on in Revelation, we saw the wrath of the, of the beast, right? The, the wrath of Satan that was being released upon those who said, no, we're not bowing. We're not getting a mark. And all of a sudden, he begins to unleash his wrath. Well, God's wrath is coming. The next verse 8, another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon is fallen is this next voice that we hear of the angels. God's name, when you think about Babylon, just so you understand, we'll hear more about this next week, but when you think about Babylon, Babylon is God's name for the world system, the economic, political systems of the beast. But here's the thing, every age has featured a Babylon. Are you here? Every age has featured a Babylon, a political and economic system that seeks 
to control people's minds and their destinies. And so Babylon has fallen in this proclamation of this angel. Verses 9 through 13, he says this, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name here is the patience of the saints here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me write blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on yes says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them If I were to entitle that part of this message, it is Escape God's Wrath. That's what this angel is saying. This angel is proclaiming a warning and is saying, I mean, think about this, even, even after the church is gone, because again, I don't believe the church is here, even after the church has been raptured, right before the wrath of God is being poured out, God is ready and he is ready to pour out his wrath, God still offers salvation. Think about that. Even in wrath, he remembers mercy. That's the God we serve. Even when you have done everything to deserve his wrath, he remembers mercy. And I don't know that, and, and, and again, you know, Sean was sharing that there are some people who, who, who believe, right, who, he's not the same God. Oh, I think he is the same God. I know that we don't want to hear about the wrath of God. We just want to hear about the goodness of God. We just want to hear about the love of God, the grace of God. I'm sorry, God says more about himself and about his wrath. He talks about that. He doesn't just talk about his goodness, his love, his mercy. He warns us and lets us know, hey, this is what is going to be the outcome. It is better to reign with Christ forever than with the Antichrist for a few short years. It is better to endure persecution patiently now than to escape it and suffer throughout eternity. Think about that. This is what the warning is. The warning is, listen, and here's the thing, guys, the, the, brothers and sisters, we got to think about this because we have options to bow to Babylon now. We have options to bow to the world systems now. And, for, and, and some people think, I don't know why they think this. They think, well, you know what? I don't really need to serve Jesus now because when it gets rough like this, I'm going to be strong enough to say no. No, you're not. No, you're not. You won't say no now to sin. You ain't going to say no to sin then. They're going to make sin even easier for you. Come on now. So what does he do? He warns and he says, listen, you get this mark. You bow to this world system. You surrender to this. This is what the end is going to be for you. Verses 14. Look at verse 14. It says, then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. 
And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the crowd on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So you have Jesus, that's the one that was the first one, who had the first sickle, who is reaping those who have not bowed to the beast. That's what he's doing here. Then you have this second angel that is there that has a sickle as well. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle in into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. The harvest is ripe is what he's saying here. The wrath of God is about to be poured out. The harvest for the saved, they're going to be with him, those who have not bowed to the world system of the beast, those who have not given themselves to that ideology, those who have said no to that and yes to the Lord, they're going to be taken to be with him. But then there is another group, and that group is going to experience the fierceness and the ferocity of the wrath of God. This is a warning for those who play church. For those who have forgotten, God is holy. God is righteous. These voices of these angels communicate to us and they remind us that God sends, think about this, he sends the gospel even until the end. I want you to know this about God because this is really ugly, right? Amen? Amen. This is ugly. This is stuff that I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about this. I want to just go back to singing. Hello. I want us to just be happy and leave. And, but wait, but this is what God's word says. We can't ignore this. But even to the end, God is sending his messengers. And the reason why the book of Revelation is so important for every generation is because while he was writing, remember, he's writing to seven churches, right? The churches in Asia Minor that we talked about at the beginning. Even though he's writing to them specifically, these words are timeless. They're for us to encourage us, continue in the faith. Don't be hypocrites. Don't live how you want to live. Live for God's glory. Go on the, I told you, the first train. You need to go on the first train. That second one's going to be hard to catch. But here's the thing, church. We have to understand this. When men reject God's grace and mercy persistently at some point, his wrath has to come. When God continues to seemingly overlook your sin, at some point there's consequences. At some point, God says that's enough and there are consequences. And we have to see this in God's word. Here's the thing. As sure as his mercies are to the repentant, so are his judgments to the rebellious. He will be merciful if you repent. That's the beauty of our God and that is the good news of the gospel. 
That no matter how bad you are, no matter how wicked you are, no matter how undeserving you feel, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, no matter any of those things, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to save us and rescue us. There is no sin too wide. There is no sin too big. There is no, there is no distance between us and God that is too great that he cannot rescue us if we will simply call upon his name and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I recognize my need for your salvation. That's the beauty of the gospel. But the sad truth is those who don't do that will experience the wrath of God, surely. The second voice, would you repeat this after me? Say, the voice of the victors. The second voices that we hear is in chapter 15. This is the prelude to the, to the bowls of judgment. And it says this, it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. These words are all so very important. In them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass having harps of God, they sing the song of Moses the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. The voices of the victors, again, as God's judgments are going to be released. Now, this is right before, and God does this intentionally, right? He, again, is having us look up. He's having the church in Asia Minor look up. Look at what's going on in the heavens. There's a bunch of stuff that's happening on the earth, but look at what is going on in the heavens. Notice there is no chaos in heaven. Notice there is beautiful order in heaven. And also notice this, for those of you that are students of the Bible and the Old Testament, you'll notice there's some terminology here that doesn't come from the New Testament. This song of Moses, the tabernacle, all of these things are Old Testament pictures. Why is this even matter? Because again, like I said last week, when we read our Bibles, unfortunately, because we are born in America, if you were born in America, raised in America, if you were raised in America, we read our Bibles like Americans. We don't read them. And, and, and we don't bridge the gap between when the scriptures were written and the time that we are living now. And we don't look at why would God even go through all of this stuff here. There's some beautiful things that are happening here, some glimpses of Jewish roots. Why? Because God cares. He has, he's not done with Israel. He's not finished with He still has prophetic words that are going to happen to Israel. We talked about that last week. I don't have time. I, I, I got I to run, you know, because I, I don't want to get in trouble with the kids' ministry. Hallelujah. I want to make sure you're able to get your children and, you know, our kids' ministry leaders are smiling. Hallelujah. <laughs> but when we look at the book of Revelation here, what is God doing? He is speaking specific language to Jewish people. Why does he do that? Because he wants the Jewish people to know that the God of Israel is at work. This is not some foreign deity. 
This is the same God of the old covenant, the same God of the new covenant. So what are these symbols? First of all, those who have been delivered by the power. You saw this in the beginning, this sea that was there. Those who have been delivered by the power of God from the power of the Antichrist, they worship God. And where they're worshiping by this sea. And you know what that's reminiscent of? It's reminiscent of the children of Israel when they got delivered from Israel and they were there by the Red Sea and they were worshiping. Because what happened? The Egyptians were coming after them after they released them. And what did God do? Open the Red Sea, shut the Red Sea on the Egyptians and they worshiped God because God God delivered them. That same Antichrist spirit was operating back then. You know why? Because ever since uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, you know, that proto-evangelion, you know, the first gospel that was preached, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Remember that one right there? Well, ever since then, the Antichrist spirit has been in operation trying to destroy the seed of the woman. Remember all of the firstborn boys that were killed during the time of Moses and Moses? Remember that stuff? See, see, Israel hasn't forgotten that when they're hearing these words. Well, God is like, I'm not, I haven't forgotten these things either. All of these things matter, but guess what? In heaven, there's going to be the same picture of what you guys remember in the Red Sea and the Exodus. When you celebrate the Passover, those things that you recollect, guess what? There's, there's a picture in heaven like that. It's those who were delivered from the wrath of Satan. There is a song, the song of Moses, that is an old covenant connection, and then the song of the Lamb, that's a new covenant connection. Old covenant, new covenant, coming together, worshiping the God of Israel. The tabernacle of testimony, what is that? That is, that is open in heaven. In heaven, we see the picture. What was on earth, we see the picture in heaven. This tabernacle is open there. It is a symbol of what? What does the tabernacle symbolize? The presence and power of God. And God reminds them, again, uh, reminding the church, reminding the Jewish church, the Jewish part of the church, reminding, hey, this is exactly what is going on in heaven. There's order there, and from there, God directs and guides everything that is going to happen. It's a definite reminder to Israel, again, that the God of Israel is at work. And then what do we see? The tribulation saints, they're worshiping God for his works, and they're worshiping God for his ways. This is what's happening right before the wrath of God is fully poured out upon the earth. That, these are the things that are occurring. Before the final bowls of God's wrath are poured out, God's glory and power manifest. I love this. Keep reading with me. Look at verse 7. It says this, then one of the living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Then the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. The glory of God manifests even before God's wrath is manifested on the earth. Again, I want to say this. Nothing, nothing happens on earth that isn't authorized in heaven. There are some things for sure that God allows. I believe that. doesn't cause them. And then there are other things that God causes 100%. The third voice that we hear, say this with me, the voice of fulfillment. Look at verse 8. Or, or, or I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. The mystery of God in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The mystery of God will be finished. That's what's going to be finished right now. 
the cry of the martyrs under the altar. We talked about this last week in, in Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When, O oh God, they ask the question, when are you going to recompense our enemies? Right now is when he's going to recompense the enemies of God. Right now at this moment is when their, their prayers, remember last week, their prayers that were mixed with the fire and were cast to the earth, that's when this is going to be answered. This is preceding the, what is known as Armageddon, the, the battle of Armageddon. It's not really ever called that anywhere, but anyway, that's another story for another time. We'll get there. But it is Armageddon. It is this final battle that is going to take place. God's wrath is poured out upon all mankind. Now listen, this is so important. Because in the, in the trumpets, in the seals, there were portions of mankind and creation that were affected. The reason why I firmly believe the church will not be present for the bowls is because everything is destroyed when these bowls come. There's not left one thing that is not affected by these judgments that are going to, to manifest in the earth. God's wrath comes upon the whole earth and he is directly confronting the empire of the beast. And so the first bowl, what does he say here? Verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loath, and, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These foul, nasty sores come upon them, remind us of the sixth plague of Egypt. These sores come upon men. God pours it out upon all of those who bowed to the beast. The third, the second and third bowls, look at these, second bowl. It says, then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard an angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Notice this. When God is pouring out his wrath, he is righteous in what he does. He's not, he, he's not just arbitrarily pouring out wrath. I, but, I, you know, when I think about this, I mean, I don't know. Just, just imagine the stench that is going to surround this earth. You know, you, you, you've, been, you've been driving down the road, I'm sure, in a car trip somewhere. And all of a sudden, this odor came in. And you're like, man, who farted? <laughs> and sometimes it was someone in the vehicle. But other times... You drove by something dead on the side of the road, and you're still blaming somebody, right? You, Dad, that was you. That was disgusting, right? <laughs> and then someone's like, if it was me, I would have told you. I ain't got to hide that, right? But anyway, I'm not hiding nothing. I mean, it was, that wasn't me. I, I, I cannot take credit for such a stench. Hello. <laughs> but, but think about that odor. When you're driving down the road, it takes a little while, a couple of miles before that stench is gone. But imagine not being able to get away from it. Because everywhere you go, this blood, this water, the dead fish, I mean, it is disgusting. Where's drinking water at this point? Zephyr Hills is all blood. Hello. Aquafina, blood. 
Terrible. This is the wrath that comes out. The second and third bowls turn to blood. Reminds us of the first plague of Egypt. The first thing that God did there. The fourth bowl, verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. This is like sunburn at another level. We went on vacation a few weeks ago, and I was wearing a shirt in the water, and the shirt was the wrong shirt, and I was like, I can't do it. I took it off. Well, I sprayed my head because I have to do that. I did not spray my shoulders, but I thought I could just hang out in the water. Now, listen, I'm dark-skinned, right? I'm not, I'm not, like, light, right? I got a little melanin or something like that, right? But let me tell you something. I looked like a lobster for, like, three days. I was red. I'm like, man, this is intense. But that was nothing. Your worst sunburn is nothing in comparison to what is coming upon these men. And men, look at this verse 9. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And look at this. And they did not repent and give him glory. That's insane. We've got blood all over the place. We've got a stinky, nasty-smelling world. This thing is insane. Boils have already come out all over you, and now you are sunburned at another level, and, st and still, instead of being my God, I am sorry for my sin, you blaspheme him. You dishonor him. You don't repent of your sin. The fifth bowl, verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. I want you to notice this is not upon men. This is specific to the throne of the beast. He is specifically dealing with the empire there that has been built up. And his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of their pain. And what did they do? They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. When, when, when I read this, you know what this, this lets me know? That even in the midst of that, there's still an opportunity for repentance. That even in the midst of this, that if they would turn, God would turn. God would have mercy on them. But because they have chosen to rebel, what do they do? They continue to rebel. Verse 12, the sixth bowl. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like the frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing miracles which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. That is referring to Armageddon. Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. The sixth bowl is the Euphrates dries up. I didn't realize this, but I, as I was doing research on the Euphrates and, and, and looking at that, you realize that just in August 2021, there was a report in the news of the Euphrates drying up. 
I assure you they're going to go to war over this water. They're, they're, they're going to figure, right? I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, did I miss something? I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think we missed anything. I'm just saying, I don't think because we haven't seen the beast empire set up and all that kind of stuff. But what I am saying to you is that when you think of such a large body of water, you're like, how could that thing dry up? I'm letting you know it's already happening. They're already having issues. There's already problems going over there because of this, this thing. They have a dam somewhere. They think, you know, they're holding water back from certain areas. And so this is problematic. But the river Euphrates is already drying up as we're looking at. This is a famous river. I want to read a couple of things that I think are important for us to understand about this. The river, that this famous river is mentioned earlier in Revelation. We see it in Revelation chapter 9 verse 13. The angels at that time were loosed who were bound therein. At that time, the army of demonic horsemen were also released. Now, an army from, uh, from the nations of the world gather for the great battle at Armageddon. The drying up of the river will make it possible for the army of the kings of the east to come to Palestine and invade the Holy Land. Remember, this is, this is a thing against Israel. And we talked about it last week. Up until the time that Israel became a nation, we couldn't really, those in between the times from, you know, 70 AD to that time, they really, they were hard pressed. That's why a lot of people, you know, when they looked at Revelation, they looked at it as, as a historical book. They couldn't see these things. But now that Israel's a nation, they can look forward and say, wait a second, these things that were prophesied here in Daniel, they can actually happen. These things that are in Revelation can actually occur. And so we have this focus on the Holy Land. We often talk about the Battle of Armageddon. I told you that it's not ever called the Battle of Armageddon. Nowhere in the Bible does it actually say that. But I'll give you a little bit of history here. September 2nd, 1945, General Douglas MacArthur, he was supervising the signing of the peace treaty with Japan. And he said this, we have had our last chance. If we will not devise something greater and more equitable than war, Armageddon will be at our door. The name Armageddon, it comes from two Hebrew words. This is where we get it. It comes from the, the Hebrew words are Har Megiddo, the hill of Megiddo. Har is the hill. The word Megiddo means the place of troops or the place of slaughter. It is also called the plain of Estralon and the valley of Jezreel. The area is about, think about this, the area that we're talking about, this valley, this area, is about, it, 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 is, it is 14 miles wide and 20 miles long. That's pretty big, don't you think? And this is why Napoleon called it the most natural battlefield of the whole earth. When you're standing on Mount Carmel, I haven't stood there yet, I want to go there and look at this one day, and overlooking the Great Plain, you can well understand why it would be used for the gathering of the armies of the nations. This is a pretty popular hill, a pretty popular place. This is the place where Barak defeated the armies of Canaan when you go back to the book of Judges. This is the place where Gideon met the book, I mean, met the Midianites, Judges chapter 7. This is the place where King Saul lost his life in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Titus and the Roman army used this natural corridor, as did the Crusaders in the Middle Ages. British, gener uh, British General um, Allenby, uh, he used it when he defeated the Turkish armies in 1917. And so this is a place that many battles have been fought, but there'll be one final battle that will happen there. 
From a human viewpoint, as we think about this, it appears that the armies of the nations are gathering on their own. But John makes it clear that the military movement is according to God's plan. The satanic trinity, though um, through demonic powers, will influence the nations and cause the rulers to assemble their armies. They will even work miracles that will impress the rulers and cause them to cooperate. But all this will merely fulfill the will of God and accomplish his purposes. We'll see this in, Gen in, in Revelation 17. 17, the Gentile nations will look on Armageddon as a battle, but listen to this, but to God, it will only be a supper for the fowls of the air. So the nations are going to think, oh, we're about to get down with, with, with the Lord of hosts. Oh, no, they're not. They're gathering to be slaughtered is what's going to happen. Well, that's what the sixth bowl is. The Euphrates dries up. And then we see the last, the last bowl here, the seventh bowl, verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and mountains were not found, the great, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone uh, about the weight of a talent." Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. The seventh bowl is worldwide devastation. This reminds us of the seventh plague that we see in the Exodus. Zechariah 14 describes this event. Those hail, you know how much, the, the, a talent was like 125 pounds. I don't want to ask anybody, who weighs around 125 pounds? Just raise your hand, just if Okay, everybody, great. It's wonderful, wonderful. Ah, hallelujah. Lucas, Lucas, how much do you weigh? What does he weigh, like around? Okay, Lucas is 89 pounds. Can you imagine me throwing Lucas at you? So just add Lucas and a half. Imagine that. That's, what, that, that's what's coming for all of those who decided they don't, they don't want to serve the Lord. This great earthquake devastates the whole world, causing the great city. Some writers think it's Jerusalem. Some writers think it's Babylon. I'm not 100% sure. Nonetheless, a great city. I'm going to go with Babylon for this moment. The, the, the city is split into three, right, if that's it. Or if it's Jerusalem split into three. I mean, this is worldwide devastation. Here's what I want to, I'm getting ready to wrap up. I got one minute and 21 seconds. Hallelujah. Every generation of Christians has been able to identify with the events in Revelation 14 through 16. Every one of us, as we're sitting here listening, we realize, wait a second, there's a beast that is trying to oppress God's people, a false prophet that is trying to lead them astray. We always, we have always been on the verge of Armageddon with all of the wars and rumors. I mean, all y'all, everything you're seeing here is like, man, that kind of looks like, of course it does. Because we're always seeing this, but there is going to come a moment that this will all culminate. So in reviewing these three chapters, we see the encouragement they give to suffering Christians. 
That's what they do. They remind us that when we're suffering, the sealed 144,000 will arrive at Mount Zion and praise God. We see that. The martyrs will also be in glory praising God. John's message is clear to us. It is possible to be victorious over the beast and be an overcomer in the midst of it all. Those are the encouraging words that we have from the writers. Here's my closing question. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for his return? Are you ready to meet him is the question. You see, the one thing that we have here that is so important, the admonition in Revelation 16, 15 applies to all of us. This is what it says. We just read it a moment ago. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Listen, because of where we are, this beast empire can come together like that. And the return of Jesus for his church will happen quickly. Are you ready to meet him? If you're not ready to meet him, this is a great opportunity for you to humble your heart before God. Not just because you're afraid of all of this. I'm afraid of all of this. Let me just let you know right now. I'm a tough guy, but I'm afraid of all that. <laughs> I don't want to go through any of this. My grandmother's sitting here, and, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things that made me even think about coming to Jesus was because my grandmother continued to hammer revelation to me. She's like, you want to stay back? You want to stay back? You want to stay back? And I was a tough guy, gangbanger, crazy dude, but I was like, I don't want to stay back. And I may have a different position, right, because I know we're going to go through some hardship, but, man, I know I'm not going to go through the hell. That's God's wrath. So if you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, if you have not put your faith in him, today's the day for you to do that. Humble your heart before him. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father, we humble ourselves before you. If there's anyone in this place that doesn't know you, God, or anyone online that doesn't know you, may they call upon you right now. May they call upon your name. May you save them, and may you fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for us in this room that do know you, those online that do know you. God, may we, be, may, may we be watchful. May we be faithful. May we not play church, but may we be the church that we're called to be. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said.